And when I went to the camp for the interview, at the front of the camp, they had three different sized basketball courts for different ages. So like a tiny one for the little kids where like the hoops only came up like five feet and then like a medium one and then a full size one. And the minute I saw that, I was like, I'm working at this fucking summer camp. <laughs> it was so cute. Hey yo, welcome back to the Try Reading Podcast, the book podcast where I, your book nerd host Gabriel, interview the most amazing individuals all over the book world. But enough about me. I am so excited to introduce today's amazing guest. Get your summer camp bags packed because today I am joined by the debut author, Aaron Baldwin. Woo, the fans are screaming, the crowd is going wild. (laughs) How are you doing, Aaron? I'm good. How are you? I'm good. I am so excited to have you here, and it's such an honor to have you on the podcast. Oh, thank you for having me. Of course, it's my pleasure. And for those of you who don't know Aaron, listen up, because you can thank Aaron's website for this amazing bio that I'm about to read. It will be the most amazing thing you've ever heard in your life, trust me. (laughs) (laughs) Wow, I love the hype. Erin Baldwin is a writer and Jersey City native. Her interests change often, but a few recent rabbit holes have been 3D printing, becoming a World Series of Poker champion, and making bracelets that say Erin Baldwin fan club, then giving them to people who do not want them. Just saying, I'd be honored to be a part of that fan club. (laughs) And um, (laughs) she can recite every line of every episode of Sabrina the Teenage Witch and probably will. Erin is a free-range, ethically sourced human person. She is on a quest to be the most interesting person on the face of the planet. And in pursuit of this goal, she has been to 21 different countries, lived in six different states, and is attempting to learn the fiddle. Presently, she is eating fig bars and goldfish crackers to see if they taste gross together, and she can confirm they do. I already see this path to fame as the most interesting person for you, Erin. It's, I mean, you're on the way to success. Aaron thank has, you, thank of you. Of course. Erin <laughs> has been a florist, a server, a rock climbing instructor, a rare books archivist and restorer, a ropes course supervisor, an aid worker at a Syrian refugee camp, a cashier at a smoke shop, a med surge teletravel nurse, a private duty RN, and a writer. She currently lives in Colorado without a dog because her partner insists on abiding by the lease for some reason. Erin is also lying awake thinking about the time she told a pre-K classmate she could color a hand turkey with her eyes closed. When she submitted it to the teacher, they held it up and said, class, this is an example of how not to draw a turkey and other embarrassing moments. Erin Baldwin is the author of Wish You Weren't Here, which is set to publish on June 4th, 2024 through Viking Books, and I couldn't be more excited. It is giving me all of the queer summer camp romance vibes, and I cannot wait. I am just so excited, and I'm so excited to have you here today. So thank you so much for joining me. Of course. I'm happy to be here. Well, I always... My bio is long when you read it that way. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there's so much to say because there's so many amazing things to talk about. Oh, thank you. It's a good way to spin it. Well, I always start the podcast by asking, what are you currently reading? Right now, I am reading um, Icebreaker by Hannah Grace. Nice. I have heard so much buzz about that. And um, I know originally yeah. it was traditionally published and then it got picked up, um, or sorry, indie published, and then it got picked up by a traditional publisher. And um, yeah, and I know it's a continuing series, right? I believe so. So I was actually like not super interested in it um not because I didn't think it was good but because I have like a kind of like oppositional reaction to anything that everybody's like you've got to read this and I'm like I said I won't even like it you know (laughs) um but I've recently entered my hockey era in real life um which I hate for me um and (laughs) I was feeling a little um uninspired so I wanted to read like whenever I read a romance it makes me want to write a romance, you know? Right. Yeah. So it, it is so good so far. I love oh, the character dynamics. I love seeing all these like self pub or not self pub necessarily, but like indie pub authors um, entering trad pub because they're just bringing such a different, like, like they don't follow the like standard, like third act breakup. Yeah. Uh, you know, like stuff like that. It's just really cool. Like Chloe Lee's, um, and BK Borison, like, yeah. it's really cool to see them all get picked up by Trad Pub. Yeah. Well, that is great. I Yeah, I know there was so much buzz about it, but I totally get that reaction of, like, not wanting to read something that everybody's obsessing over. Um, yes. Yeah. 
Well, I am currently reading Haley and the Dragon, which is uh, the second Ooh. book in the series called The Mythics by Lauren Magaziner. And mm -hmm. it is a middle grade fantasy series. It's super fun. Very like there's so much like found family and it's just like really exciting and a great like palate cleanser because they're pretty short. They're like lower middle grade um, and but they're perfect for any age. I love them so much. And um, I love all the characters. And there's going to be five books in the series. And they all feature a different main character from this group of five girls that have to find these like super rare familiars because every human in this world is paired with an animal creature. But they are paired with a mythical creature. And they get these powers when they find the creatures. And it's super fun. It's very adventurous. That's and so yeah. Cool. Yeah. What happens if your animal creature dies before you find them? Oh, gosh. <laughs> I don't know. Hopefully, not. I mean, I feel like it's a, I mean, my assumption is it's a guarantee. I think like with oh. regular generic animals, it's a guarantee. For the mythical creatures, it is a good question, though, because there is this villain that's out to get the creatures before they do. And so there is this fear oh. of like, what if we lose them? Because they are very rare. So that, to your point, exactly. Yeah, it's it's sort of this like race against um, someone else. So yeah, but it's That's super so fun. Cool. Yeah. I like that. I think I'm friends with her on social media. Oh, okay. Yeah, she's great. <laughs> you can cut that out if you want. I just... <laughs> no, I think actually, yeah, she... When I, I first saw the cover for your book, Lauren had reposted it and oh, that's how yeah. I found out okay. about it and or found out about the cover reveal. And yeah, so, but it's super fun. But my first question for you is, have you always loved books and reading? I have, you know, I wish I had a more interesting answer, but <laughs> I have, I was a big reader growing up. My mom, um, there was actually a point that I didn't love reading, but I was like, it was like kindergarten where I was like, I did not want to read because my mom, it's, I, ha, I think I have like an oppositional defiant disorder. <laughs> my mom loved reading and my dad too. And um, they were always trying to get me to read. And I was like, I refuse to do this. And then I read um, uh, Just Ella by Margaret Peterson Haddix. You know her? Um, she wrote like the Hidden Children's series. Um, that sounds she was so very familiar. popular in yeah. like the 2000s. Okay. Um, but uh I read that book by her it's like a Cinderella retelling but different um and then I haven't stopped reading <laughs> that's so great and I love that it stuck with you and now here you are publishing books and um I know I know and there's yeah. it's crazy because like so, sorry I didn't mean to cut you off no please <laughs> um it's crazy because like there are some authors do you know Tamara Pierce yeah Tamara Pierce. okay she was like my like I loved her growing up. I was like, before before social media, I was on like her forum, shiro.com. <laughs> like, I, I, she was just always like my writing idol. And she doesn't write romance, but you know. Right. Um, uh, and when I posted my announcement of my book, she liked it. Wow. Oh my yeah. gosh. That's so cool. <laughs> so it's so crazy that now I get to kind of exist in this space with people, you know? Yeah. Right. Oh my gosh. That is so cool. Well, yeah. You had this love for reading. Did you also have a love for writing or did that come later on? No, that actually pretty much came around the same time. It It's so interesting. I've been thinking about it a lot recently um, that I don't know like how naturally writing came to me, but it's like ever since I started writing, which I think I wrote my first story when I was like eight, um, I have always thought of the world in kind of like a writing way. Like it only, I only recently found out that everybody isn't just writing down things that people say all the time to use as dialogue. Did you know <laughs> that people aren't doing this? I thought everyone No, I feel like this. I do that a lot. Yeah, like someone said something <laughs> the other day. I was like, oh, make note of that. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. But like there are people that don't even consider it, which is so interesting. That's, that's never been me. So I guess it has always been like kind of what I did, you know? Yeah. No, I totally like writing down that makes so much sense because it's like, wait, somebody said it. So clearly, you know, something people say, so it makes sense and it sounds right. Yeah. Right. Or like you hear like a, a weird name and you're like, oh, that'd be a great name. Right. Oh, totally. It's so weird that there are people who are walking out yeah. around the world not <laughs> right. doing that. You know, I don't know. Yeah. Well, that's so awesome, though, that it was just that intertwined love for reading and writing and um knowing that 
the book you're publishing is a queer love story and it has BIPOC characters. That's something that, you know, obviously is becoming more and more seen within publishing, but we could always use so much more of it. And it wasn't always as seen as it is now. And um, so for you, since you're publishing a book with BIPOC characters and LGBTQ plus themes, what can you remember like the first book that had queer themes or BIPOC characters um, that you read? So this is really interesting because when you sent me the questions for this podcast, um, I was looking at this question and I was like, no, I don't. And when I went to look up, like I could vaguely remember like some books that I had read, but I knew I read so much when I was a kid. I used to read like a book a day. So I know I That's kept crazy. a list. Wow. I was real intense <laughs> with that. <laughs> Before Goodreads, I had like, I had a notebook that was my Goodreads where I'd like put the star reviews of me, like how I felt about it. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, but uh, I was looking through, so I knew that if I saw like a cover or a title that I would remember the book. So I was looking at lists of books that were popular in the early 2000s because I was born in 94. So that was around the age that I started reading and writing and stuff. Um, and I was looking through the list and I was like, wow, there are A, no queer books on these lists at all. And B, no books with people of color at all. Like until like 2011, maybe. Like there were, there was just no, I was like, I guess I didn't read a lot of them growing up, but I did remember which one really stuck with me. And that's um, uh, Totally Joe by James Howe. I don't think anybody has ever heard of this book. It was no. like at my local library, but the conceit of it is really cool. I don't remember almost anything about it, but it was, it's written like the character, the main character is assigned in writing class that he has to write an alpha biography. So it's an autobiography about his life, but it goes letter by letter. So like if he had a sister named um, Amelia, for example, like you could do like A for Amelia and then the chapter would be about his life with Amelia and then B, you know, basketball and then him playing basketball. Like, yeah. It, so, and I just loved that. Like I actually think about that layout all the time. And the care the main character is gay, um, but that's the and I think I read that in like 2010, like years after I started reading. So yeah. it is crazy to think about how much more diverse it is in every way. Yeah, right. Because it really wasn't until, gosh, maybe around 2015, 2016, that there was this bigger boom of books um that we would see like more and more of and then yes and it was most mostly gay like right. men who love men right um very few like when I first yeah. started writing with you weren't here and I was trying to find books to comp it to like there are obviously some out there but like they're by the same authors you know it's yeah. like hard like Rachel Lippincott and like uh Casey McQuiston and you know, like it's yeah. hard to break in yeah. as like a sapphic writer. Yeah. It's... Less hard now though. Right. Thankfully. And hopefully within yes. the next few years, it's just, you know, easier and easier. And um, yeah, because it's going to help so many other readers feel seen and represented. And uh, well, this book is a summer camp, you know, it takes place at summer camp. And so I do have to ask, did you go to summer camp as a kid or a teen? I didn't. I didn't. I was very poor. <laughs> we didn't have summer camp money. Um, I would have loved to though, but I, what I did do was when I was, when you were reading out my list of, of previous jobs, when I was in college, I was working at a smoke shop and um, was fired unjustly. I will add. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was looking for a job, like just all of a sudden, like I needed a job right away to pay rent and stuff. And um, the first place I found was the summer camp that was nearby. And I went, I was like, I, I didn't even know if I wanted this job. Like I wanted to wait tables so I could like make tips and stuff, you know, but I was applying for everything. And when I went to the camp for the interview at the front of the camp, they had three different 
size basketball courts for different ages so like a tiny one for the little kids where like the hoops only came up like five feet and then like a medium one and then a full-size one and the minute I saw that I was like I'm working at this fucking summer (laughs) it was so cute well, so you did have, though, an experience at a summer camp, even though it wasn't as, you know, an attendee, right, or as a yeah, kid, but yeah, you still the were there. Members. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was, I did it for seven years. Wow. Oh, my gosh. Well, that absolutely, quit, yeah. I know. <laughs> I quit full-time jobs to go back there. Wow. Gabriel. That's yeah, awesome. Oh, my gosh. Well, that speaks very highly of the camp. the word everyone would use. <laughs> Hey, that's cool in my eyes. <laughs> I, yeah, I, well, I'm a sucker for anything like summer camp, like Ryan Lasala's, like the Honey Summer Camp Horror or of a course, Summer Camp yeah. Romance or anything like that. So um, that's cool to me. So, <laughs> that's good. well, I'm glad somebody thinks of it. Yeah, no, I, because I was thinking, I didn't really go to any like sleepaway camps. I went to one that was like a family's camp. I went with my mom for a, like a week. Um, And that was fun. And that was like the biggest like summer camp experience. Um, But there was like, you know, like the day camps, right? Um, Yeah. But no, so this is like me getting to like, live out like childhood (laughs) dreams. (laughs) I know, you know, when I was like, uh, shopping this book out to editors, a lot of people were like, nobody wants to read about a summer camp, like summer camp books won't sell. This is the thing I kept like hearing from editors. Um, and such a weird specific feedback right but I just don't understand why not because it's a boarding school without schoolwork right it's, yeah it's <laughs> yeah no it's, it's so fun cool. yeah yeah exactly well clearly they were wrong so yeah <laughs> I mean, like it's yeah it's so that that setting is just like not to be like not to make a pun but like it's very campy and it's also uh-huh. just like super exciting and I don't know there's something about like especially if it's in a forest or just like with the cabin aspect or tents or whatever it may be. Um, yeah, it's just exciting. So, yeah. yeah. And it's amazing like plot device because your friends are around you all the time and your parents yeah. aren't there. Right. You know, like that's so it's chaotic setup for life. Yeah. <laughs> right. No, exactly. It's this like push off for absolute chaos, but like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. Well, speaking of Wish You Weren't Here, like I said, it's releasing on June 4th. And would you care to share with the listeners what it's about, whether you want to share like your elevator pitch or a small synopsis, however you want to share it? Sure. Yeah. Um, so I'll tell you the I'll tell you the story of Wish You Weren't Here. Yeah. <laughs> so Wish You Weren't Here. Um, when I was when I was a kid, when I was growing up, I was like, I, I really wanted to dance like at parties and at dances and stuff, you know, but I was always afraid to like get myself up, like put my, I would wait for somebody to come over and like drag me onto the dance floor, (laughs) even though I wanted to dance so bad. Right. And this went on until like, I probably still feel it a little bit, but like this went on until like my mid twenties, like I could not make myself dance at a party. Right. And I had this idea. I wanted to write this like character who in life, in her real life, right? She is one of those people who cannot make herself get up and dance, even if she wants to. But when she goes to summer camp, she's the person who's pulling everyone else up onto the dance floor. So I wanted to write this like character who like, when she goes to summer camp, she gets to be everything that she wants to be and she doesn't feel hindered by stuff. And then her last year at that summer camp, somebody who makes her feel like she can't get up on the dance floor becomes her roommate at the camp. So like the biggest fish in the pond outside of camp ends up being her roommate. And it's just like, um, it, I, I love an unlikable character. Yeah, of course. But I think that they have to be unlikable to everybody, but you, you know, like you still have to understand and like them. And I wanted to write this character who, like, she sees herself as unlikable. And, like, you kind of get the sense that other people see her as unlikable. But you also see, like, she isn't asking for anything except five weeks at a summer camp, like, where she can pull people up onto the dance floor. And then the last time she's ever going to get to do that, 
she can't. She doesn't feel like she's yeah. allowed to. And like what that means to um, kids who had to say goodbye to things that they didn't get a proper goodbye to. So people who had, who had to graduate high school without going to prom or without having a graduation or without saying goodbye to their friends or cleaning out their lockers or whatever. Like when you have an expect because of COVID. Yeah. When you have an expectation of like one thing that you really want and like this is how it was always supposed to be. And then you get there and you can't have it the last time you're supposed to have it, you know? Yeah. That's what it's about. <laughs> I love that. And it was such a wonderful way of weaving in what it's about, but also what inspired it and um, the story behind it. And yeah, I love that so much. And that was such a great way to describe it too, the, what you really want but and what you've been waiting for, but then can't have. And yeah. yeah. And I think like, I I feel I was always one of those kids who felt like pre-nostalgia, you know, like I would never have fun on the last day of school because I knew that I wasn't going to get to come back. Like, you know, that's yeah, thing. right. Of course. <laughs> Make yourself miserable. Right. <laughs> and I um I have a lot of uh, sympathy for like kids who didn't get to go to prom or whatever, because then they bring it up. And your first thought is like, well, people died, you know, like people were dying you, and you didn't get to go to prom. But like when it's something that you expect to happen and you just right. don't get it, like it might seem like a small deal to everybody else, but like, but to that you, sucks. yeah, yeah. yeah. I kind of wanted to represent that. I feel like we haven't seen narratives about that since COVID and affected so many people. So, right. No, it's so true. You're so right. And yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, that makes me even more excited for this book. And I mean, also having a somewhat unlikable character aspects that are unlikable leaves this room for the beauty of character development and like amazing, yes. you know, 360 turnarounds or even just like changes that um, are meant to happen or are so wonderful to read within a story. Um, but also I don't, and this may be the most random, like, uh, call out to a book series. I don't know if anyone knows this because this was, <laughs> I read this in, I don't know, maybe fourth grade. I started reading them. Some could argue I was a bit too young, um, <laughs> but it was, I realized the other week that like, wow, this was, that was like the first queer and BIPOC like centered story with like a lot of main characters that were queer and BIPOC, uh, that I had ever read. And, um, there's I don't, so the lumberjanes i don't know if you've ever read that graphic oh, novel series I've, i haven't seen it i mean i haven't read it but i've seen the cover okay like i've seen you know okay. i've seen it so i i if i could recommend one thing i have to recommend that also since this is your debut like it's very fitting oh. it's a it's a let's see it's i think it's all yeah it's an all-girls summer camp um and they're all teenagers and they're all different ages and they stay in cabins and um there's these let's see, I think it's five girls. Yeah. That some know each other, some don't. And then they become really close friends. And it's, there's, there's this fantasy element to it because there's a lot of magical realism as well, but it's oh, so chaotic cool. and so fun and super queer and super just, it's just so wholesome and loving. Um, but yeah. So anyways, I was like, when the cover released for Wish You Weren't Here and then, you know, there was the full synopsis. I was like, oh my gosh, this is like, this is, you know, now my modern like lumberjanes for me because uh -huh. obviously I could always <laughs> reread it, but it's true. You like, you know, the points you shared where you don't see stories like that, especially, I mean, I don't see a ton of summer camp stories, right? Especially summer camp romance. Um, also just this aspect of like you had said, since COVID, we haven't seen a lot of these stories where like you're expecting something, but then you don't get it and something gets in the way. So anyways, that was super, <laughs> my, my topics were really weird and roundabout, but all that to say, I'm so excited for the book and hearing about it has just made me even more excited. Oh, good. I mean, I'm, I'm happy about that. Yeah. I, yeah, I can't wait. And um, during the process of writing this book, were you more of a plotter or a pantser? Um, sorry, I'm, I no, struggle to answer this question because I'm angry about my answer. That's the, <laughs> that's the issue is I very much pants wish you weren't here. And, um, I used to say like pants, like I didn't understand why people plot and I'm writing my second book now because wish you weren't here was a two book deal. It's oh, not nice. a sequel. 
Okay. Although, you know, <laughs> I, I have ideas, <laughs> um, but um, it's just a, a different book. I'm writing it and it requires a lot of plotting and it's making me very angry that I wrote a whole book with just pantsing it. And now I have to plot this yeah. intricate, you know? So the answer is I pantsed it, but it does, I'm not always a pantser, but I'm mad that I am one, <laughs> you know? <laughs> that's a good I, answer. Yeah, pantser, no, it, it is. Exactly. Yeah. And it's a great example of how, you know, you don't always have to stick to one technique and um also I totally get that of like one story feeling like no I could just you know dive right in <laughs> who cares right but then also others you might need to or others you feel you would like to plot it um it's just what works for you and um yeah no but I totally also see though how like going from completely pantsing it to now having to plot something could be really frustrating <laughs> It's so boring. <laughs> so much. The plotting is the worst part. Yeah, it's a lot. Um, but my friend Claire Edge, who I'll, I'll do a brief plug for them here. Um, their book, Accidental Demons, is coming out. They're also a 2024 debut. It's so Claire is diabetic, and the the book, Accidental Demons, is about a character who um is a type one diabetic as a child and uh, she uh, has to take her blood sugar and like give herself insulin. But every time she draws her blood, she accidentally summons a demon because she's a blood witch. <laughs> oh, wow. Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. So she summons these demons. They're like cute demons. Uh, some of them, like they like help tidy up and stuff, but she has to like send them back to the demon dimension because they weren't supposed to be here. And she just, you know, did a spell by accident. <laughs> right. <laughs> cool. But um, Claire has this theory on writing this, like, you write your first book, you write your first story, and it's like fighting a dragon. And you're like, okay, good. I've killed this dragon. I've, I've fought the dragon. And um, now I can I can go write another book. And you go, but it's not, this time the book isn't a dragon. It's um, it's a basilisk. And you can, you try to kill it the same way and you can't. And you have to recognize that you are not fighting a dragon. You can't use the dragon techniques on the basilisk. Every book is its own weird magical creature. And you have to figure out what will tame it. <laughs> yeah. Which I really like. Wow. That is such a cool theory and such a cool way to put it because it is so true. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Every book is so different. And especially if you're writing a different genre, but even just a different type of story, it's yeah, it's never going to have the same, you can't go about it the same way every time because then yeah. that would be boring and all your books would be the same. So <laughs> exactly, yes. <laughs> so yeah. Oh gosh, that's such a cool way of putting it. Yeah. I know. Wow. And I'm glad I could steal it and use right. <laughs> it for myself. <laughs> well, I have already talked about the cover, but I could talk about it for this entire podcast. I mean, it's so stunning. It's the colors, the characters, the perspective of like the camp behind them and uh, the sort of like enemies to loversness that you can feel radiating off of the cover. And it's just very summery. And it's, it's yeah, it's just so, I don't, there's something about it that's just so attracting to the eye. And mm -hmm. so did you have any say in the cover process? Yes, thankfully, because I'm um, such a control freak. If I hadn't <laughs> had any say in the cover process, I probably, I would have lost my mind. <laughs> Um, yes, my, um, artist, Bex Glendening, I was offered a few choices and chose, wanted her to do the cover because she, her art is just so amazing. Like her, you, I don't know if you've seen any of her other stuff, but like her use of light. Oh, um, she did the, um, the UK cover of the Borrow Boyfriend Club where they're like, oh yeah. Packages. Oh yeah. my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, so I uh, got to help choose her, thankfully. And then my designer, Lucia Baez, she consulted me throughout the process. So she would send me Bex's sketches, take my feedback. What would I like to see different? Like, is Priya wearing the right outfit? Stuff like this. And then we went back and forth a few times. So I thankfully had a very strong stand on the cover and so did my agent, Lauren Spieler. So it was very 100% good. 
Yeah, <laughs> it is so great. No, I love it so much. And that's so awesome that you were able to have so much say in the cover and get to see it through the process. And um, yeah, it is so true. Yeah, the use of light, because now that I, I love the UK cover of the Bar Boyfriend Club. So seeing Me those too. two, um, yeah, it totally makes sense how it's the same artist. And yeah, no, I love it so much. And I'm sure it fits the story so well. And um, yeah, it's so fun to see it being reshared and um, see the excitement for it. And um, I mean, let's see. Tomorrow it will be four months. It's no, four. February. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, knowing that, you know, we're getting closer and closer to the release. What is something that you've learned during this process of publishing that you didn't know before starting this journey? This is funny because um, the answer is everything. There is, <laughs> I didn't know anything about publishing before starting the journey. And honestly, like I, I got really lucky. I have, re I got really lucky with the community that I have now and how quickly I was able to like make friends and stuff. Um, in the writing community, but before I sent Wish You Weren't Here out to agents, I was the only one who had read it. I didn't have beta readers. I didn't have, um, uh, uh, what are they called? CPs. I didn't have, right. I didn't have a CP, a critique partner. Um, I was the only one who was looking at my work and editing my work. Um, so I didn't even know I didn't even know what an editor did, really. I, I didn't know how many different like rounds of edits you go through. Like I thought an editor was basically just like spell checking your words. You know what I mean? <laughs> Making sure your timelines are correct and stuff. But like, I didn't realize there's like developmental edits and there are copy edits and there are line edits and th there passes where they go through your book and see if like all the first letters of the page start with the same letter like if all the sentences start with s like I didn't realize all of this and that's just editing like I felt any any of it <laughs> so I wish I could give you like a very specific example but it, it's all oh right <laughs> it's a good answer because you there is so much that goes on within publishing a book from what I've heard from other authors. And there's so much to learn and so much that you might know or might not know or think you know, but then realize you don't. So um, it's just, there's a, you know, knowing that there was a lot new to you and it was this new journey and new process, um, you know, is really cool. And it just shows that like you can go into it sort of, you don't have to, you know, the goal isn't to know everything about publishing, right? And um, yeah, but it's just really interesting to learn different perspectives of how the process is for everyone. And um, no, but that was a great answer. Yeah. Oh, thank you. Yeah, like it's, um, there's, uh, I feel like sometimes the difference is really obvious to me, like how little I knew compared to like people who are my contemporaries, I guess, like Victoria Vlasic, How to Find a Missing Girl. Yeah. Um, when she read Wish You Weren't Here, there's a character whose name is TK, just the letter TK, because I liked Digimon growing up, and there was a character on Digimon <laughs> named TK. I had a sister who was named Kari. Anyway, <laughs> so I named this character TK, thinking of that TK. But when Victoria Vlasic read my book, she thought that I hadn't come up with a name yet because in oh, publishing TK yeah. means to come <laughs> like they'll put it like when you don't have your your um dedication written they'll put it where the dedication goes so she was like oh I have some good ideas for this character's <laughs> name and I'm like what are you talking about they have a name it's TK <laughs> she had to explain to me like no Aaron that means to come and publish oh my god! I think she's like She's probably 10 years younger than me. I was like, <laughs> no, but that's so true. I, I had seen it like once before, um, in, I got an arc and the dedication said, you know, dedication TK. And I thought, okay, maybe that's what it meant. But I was like, but come starts with a C. Why is it a right. K? Like what's going, is there something else? I don't know. So I was like, whatever. But 
that totally makes sense from like someone who knows what it means and then reads that in a, like a non-finished copy, right? Like just a, you know, a draft is like, oh, okay, right. Okay, let me help out, right? Or, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Yeah. Well, anyone listening, if you're going to name a character or to put anything that says TK, <laughs> keep that in mind. <laughs> yes, yes. People will think you did not finish your book. Right. <laughs> wow. Well, oh my gosh. Yeah. But it, that was such a cool answer. Just knowing that, yeah, you there, and then now coming out of it on the other end of this process, you have learned so much, I'm sure from it. And um, yes. And it really this... teaches you how much you don't know. Cause I'm <laughs> sure a year from now I'll be like, I can't believe I didn't know that. That's great. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, knowing that it is four months away, what are you most excited for, for when this book releases? I am, I'm excited for people to read it, which feels like a boring answer, but oh. I am, I'm, I think it's, I'm really, uh, when I set out to write Wish You Weren't Here, I wanted to write something that would like make you feel like a Disney Channel original movie. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I just wanted something that was like comfortable and like the characters are queer, but like it doesn't matter, you know, yeah. like they they don't have coming out drama. There's like one line that addresses it in the book. Uh, like Priya, the love interest, like at one point says, I'm by dingus. And that's like the only time they address sexuality. Like it was just this like fun, um, stuck in the suburbs-esque queer story you know because I feel like we, yeah. we didn't we don't get those and when we do they're like white characters you know <laughs> and I just wanted to like create that and I feel like I accomplished it which is strange because I don't feel like I often accomplish much but this one I did and <laughs> I I'm excited for people to read it and then kind of have that like feeling of something they haven't gotten before you know yeah this happy go lucky story that's so goofy it's camp rock you know for Gen Z. yeah right so, like it gets to be gay and that's it you know yeah and it's I mean for readers who grew up with those Disney Channel movies right or shows and who didn't have that type of queer representation um it's sort of that like you know what we always needed or what they always needed and um something yeah like you just said super campy and fun and you know it doesn't you know they can just be gay and iconic and queer and iconic and yeah. um, that's all that matters <laughs> and exactly. yeah it was when I talked to Victoria Vlasic on the podcast we were talking about how you know she, her main character is pansexual there's a bunch of other queer side characters and how they're just all like queer icons solving murder mysteries and there's mm -hmm. like no like discussion of like, yeah, this is me, this is that. It's just like, you know, so what? Yeah, deal with it. Yeah, sort of just like, yeah, because it's so normal, right? It really is. It's just it, in media, it wasn't shown. And um, right. So to be able to just have it there, like any other straight character, any other white character, it's, you know, it's all, you know, it's all normal and you know it's but it's also such a going to be such a light for so many readers too mm -hmm. yeah I wanted to make something um that would kind of re reach across the aisle so to speak in like like my ex-boyfriend's middle-aged white dad read this book and he liked it you know what I mean that yeah. <laughs> 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 people could I wanted to write a story that was that had enough depth and was literary enough that it would be a respectable story that somebody who read it even if they weren't like a teenager even if they were straight even if they were white would like it like that they could find something to like in it but I also wanted it to be this story of like queer BIPOC joy right um, so that it could reach, because I hate to see books discredited by like, you know, like when people are like, oh, however you feel about Sarah J. Mass, right? right? Obviously, she's writing stories that people want to read. Right. People love her work, right? And I hate when people are like, well, 
it's just like a stupid porn fantasy, you know? Right. But like people love that story. And I wanted people to be able to love this story without having to feel like it was a guilty pleasure, you know? So they could tell people, oh, I like this story because it was a respectable story. So (laughs) I'm excited to have people see it because I think it can reach a lot of audiences and represent different things for each of them, you know? Yeah. Yeah. It is really, really true. And I talked with a guest a couple episodes ago um, because when she started her, she was a content creator, is. And uh, when she started her account, huge like coho hater and was like, uh, you know, for anyone who doesn't know, Colleen Hoover, um, and was just sort of like felt that it was different from other books. But then, you know, at she said, you know, at this point now, it's sort of like, no, it's not, right? People read, you know, it's reading. They're reading. They love what they read, right? They enjoy what they read. As long as you're enjoying it, right? And you love what you're reading and you have fun with it and there's some aspect of it that you like and, um, you know, that's fine. And, you know, it's, yeah. So to be able to have that sort of, um, yeah, like you said, that sort of almost literary aspect and like have it be respectable, but also have it be incredibly enjoyable and fun and also light, but have just like all of these different um, elements to it. So I, I'm i so sure it's going to be all of that and more. And I, yeah, I can't wait Thank to read you. it. <laughs> of course. Well, if you had any advice for aspiring authors and specifically people who want to write stories with BIPOC characters and or LGBTQIA plus characters or themes, what might that advice be? Um. So I think this is, I think it's easier than it has ever been to write stories with representation. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's, it's getting easier, you know, like it isn't, I feel like it's not the barrier that it was. You could make a lot of money from a sapphic novel because you would be the only one, you know, like you were the only thing in that category. Uh, like yeah. nobody was buying sapphic books. It, it was like a special thing, you know? And now they can be any, you can do anything. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it, that's the good news is that it's easier than ever. But I have heard a lot of horror stories <laughs> of specifically um, people of color in publishing who are asked to take out things from their stories that are important to them, but not to white readers, you know? So like some aspect of representation that feels very authentic and um, black, for example, right? Like some, uh, like one of my friends, her book has um, throwing bows in it, like elbows and her editor made her change it or asked her to change it to elbows because she was like, well, people aren't going to know what bows mean. And she was like, black people will know what it means. And that's what I care about because that's my audience, you know? So I think that be knowing that people are, I think people are ready to change, <laughs> but they have not changed yet. I think that's where we're at. <laughs> yeah. Like in publishing, people want to be doing things different. They want to be capturing the, the queer market, you know? but they're afraid to kind of do it. I think more than ever, if you are getting into publishing, you need to find an agent who will fight for you, who you know will stand up for you, where if you get um, an editor who really wants you to take out an aspect of representation that's important to you, you have somebody who you know will like stand behind you and like fight for that. Because it's hard to do it as an author. You know, you kind of like, especially as a debut, you want to, not make waves you these people know more about marketing than you do and all this stuff but you want to have somebody like in publishing who can tell you no it is okay for you to fight for this and I'm going to help you do it so that's my advice is get a good agent (laughs) yeah it's so true that is such great advice and it's something that I've heard before in terms of like just people saying you want someone that's really going to champion your work and Mm -hmm. you know fight with you and for your stories and for the stories that matter. Um, because, you know, like that example you gave of throwing bows, like if you don't understand it, 
you were you got the internet you've got social media like you've got so many ways to look it up right like it's exactly and it's so like many a resources. throwaway line right you can just like it can mean something to some people and for the people it doesn't mean anything to they just skim over it right you know yeah <laughs> but, so gosh yeah yeah but it's important to the people who want it to you know yes so like yeah I think it's important especially if I'm a pushover uh so if I didn't have an agent who I, my agent Lawrence Wheeler is such a badass <laughs> she is so she scares me she's so intimidating <laughs> to me because she will just speak her mind she will tell you straight up this is this is how I feel or like when I send her plot ideas she'll be like um why isn't this happening why why did you choose to do this because she wants to make my work better and she wants like she she will argue for things that she thinks are right, you know? <laughs> and if you are a pushover, you need somebody in your corner who's going to do it because you won't. <laughs> yeah, that's so true. Well, that was such wonderful advice. And thank you so much for sharing that. Yeah, I know that was a long answer. You can not cut at out. all, please. Oh my, I would not. That would be horrendous <laughs> if I did that. <laughs> it would be awful. No, oh my gosh, not at all. What would be your advice to your younger self? This this is good advice for everyone, but it is particularly good advice for me and people who are like me. I'm I'm very much a perfectionist. If you write stories and there isn't interest in them, write a better story. Do not keep working on that same story and try to make it like I mean, obviously do revisions and stuff, but like if somebody's like, well, I don't like that this book is enemies to lovers. Could you change that? And you rewrite the whole book as not enemies to lovers. And, you know, sometimes you can get stuck in that loop of like, I can make this better. I can make this good enough where somebody will be interested in it. Sometimes you can't, you just can't. And you just need to write a better story, write a different story, do something else. <laughs> that's my advice. Yeah, that's great advice. And so true and being open to change and flexibility and possibilities um because yeah that example i'm just going to use your example of enemies to lovers and changing that because you know what if you change it and you're like oh wow this works well and this works too and you don't know until you try and mm -hmm. and if you don't like it you don't like how it changed and you're like okay that's fine and exactly, it's not yeah. like you know the end of the world if it doesn't work out or, you know if you don't like how the changes work and um, but no, that is such good advice. It took Bef me a long time to learn. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And that's, to I mean, Hey, you can share it now and you can reflect <laughs> and share it now. And that's all that matters. And <laughs> if you could turn, wish you weren't here into anything other than a TV show or a movie, what would that be? I would like to see wish you weren't here as a, um, immersive theme park. <laughs> <laughs> Like full on, like, like live action role playing, you know, like when, when you picture those, like, um, uh, the, those like summer camps that they make for Percy Jackson, yeah. where people can go in. I won't wish you weren't here, but there's no magic. So it's just people walking Who cares? around doing summer camp activities. <laughs> people do it's that anyways, right. I know. But I think, yeah, it would be an interactive, <laughs> immersive. I absolutely love that answer. What a fabulous answer. Oh my gosh. Like, first of yeah. all, I want that to happen ASAP. Like, <laughs> and also, yeah, like you said, who cares if it's not magical? People go to summer camp anyway. So this is, you know, but better. This is like way better. And exactly. Yeah. I mean, the idea is there because no one has to invent summer camp. It's already, you just like decorate it how the book would be. You design it. You have people, like you said, you know, live action role playing the characters. And you do things Which, that like, at happen some point in the book. is just you. Like, right? <laughs> the characters are just you working at summer camp <laughs> and you going to summer camp. <laughs> exactly. And then it's everyone perfect. who goes there gets a copy of Wish You Weren't Here under their pillow. Mm -hmm. And then, yeah, they. Yes. It's, you have to read it before you leave, obviously. And then, you know. <laughs> 
And then there's a discussion. Everybody right. sits around and tells me how good it is. Right. The last <laughs> exactly. Well, I am a thousand percent manifesting this. And everyone listening, this is your homework. Manifest this. Because um, Aaron and I, we're counting on you all. Like, this needs yeah. to happen. Yeah. <laughs> well, with that, we have found the end of episode 54. And Aaron, I want to thank you for joining me today on the Try Reading Podcast. I had the best time talking with you. Uh, it was just so much fun. So thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. It was great. Of course. I'm so glad. And where can the listeners find you? I am on um, all social media that matters as Aaron D as in Baldwin, Aaron B. Wright. Um, and I am on Twitter as Aaron B. Writing. <laughs> Perfect. Well, everyone go follow Aaron if you aren't already because she is amazing and um, you just need to learn more about this book if you haven't already and um, get just as excited as me. And do you have anything upcoming or current that you want to shout out or promote? Um, I should be announcing my second book sometime soon um so keep an eye out for that i'm really excited about it it's a cool story oh my gosh well i am so excited and i will be (laughs) everyone keep your eyes and ears open because yeah oh my gosh well i can't wait to scream about that one as well and um well Thank you, everyone, for listening to today's episode of Try Reading. Don't forget to subscribe or follow the podcast. And if you'd like, you can write a review or rate the show. You can follow Try Reading on Instagram and threads at Try Reading Podcast. And you can find the show wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to new episodes every other Friday. As always, you can buy books by the Try Reading authors through the bookshop.org link in the Try Reading link tree below. And yes, that includes Aaron's marvelous debut. You must read it. And Aaron, I want to thank you again for joining me on this episode today i had the best time you are marvelous and such a light in the book world and i just loved learning more about you and your iconic books so thank you so much thank you gabriel